Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to True Romance. This is Carolina Barlow. And this is Devin Leary. You guys, thankfully, my grandmother does not um, know how to listen to my podcasts. She asked me what a Zoom was this weekend. Um, I put Google Maps on her phone. So that is why I feel free to talk about my Memorial Day weekend, which I hope was different than yours. I hope yours was enjoyable. Mine was um, a little traumatic. Um, I decided to visit my grandmother, who I've not seen in 15 years, because unlike some grandmothers, my grandmother doesn't always want to see me. In fact, when I said, um, I'll come visit you for Thanksgiving one year, she said, where will you stay? Which is an iconic answer. <laughs> Meaning, wow. like, it, she, it was, like I said, I want to go to Arkansas to see the sites. And she was like, oh, cool. Where will you stay? But I was like, I want to spend Thanksgiving with you. And she was like, great. What are you going to do? Like. <laughs> What I don't know to how to help you with that. Um, oh my god! Listen, I love my grandmother. She was a tobacco farmer at age seven. She basically like pulled herself out of poverty, and that is why, like you know, she didn't. She could have easily given her depression, given marriages to abusive men, just like fallen apart. And she somehow had the grit to become like vice president of her company. Um, a lot of that is white privilege, obviously, but. Um, she, you know, paid for my mom's college, which is how I am here. Um, that all being said, she does not like humans very much. She has nine cats. So when people think it's crazy that I have three dogs, you can see where I get it from. And I decided that being in that, the fact that I'm in Atlanta, I was like, I'm going to go to Arkansas Memorial Day weekend. When else am I going to ever want to go to Arkansas? I'm going to see my grandmother. I haven't seen her since I graduated from high school, folks. That's so crazy. It's crazy. So I show up. I'm, of course, shocked by how old she is because 15 years is a long time. Um, but she's beautiful. She's always been beautiful. 
And she's so skinny and you can tell that she loves that. She was like, I'm, she was literally pulling like your anorexic friend. She was like, I'm so skinny. Like the doctor says I need to gain weight. Like, oh no, what am I going to do about it? I mean, an anorexic person would actually avoid saying that to avoid. I don't know. When I was anorexic, I definitely loved like the fact that people were worried about me. I did too. But I also was like, wait, like anytime someone was like, oh, you're so skinny. I'd be like, what? Like under all these baggy clothes? Really? You think so? And things go well. I go to her house, which unfortunately smells like 8 million cats have peed in it. Like I can hang. I've been to boys' houses. I've been to a boys' bathroom where there was a damp towel that I had to dry my hands on. You know, we've all we've all seen a lot. If you've dated men, you've seen it all. Um, but I walked into this home where there were nine outdoor cats, meaning cats that were wild that my grandmother um, decided to quote unquote rescue and bring into her house. And I could not, I could barely breathe. It was really wild. That being said, I can't emphasize enough how much I love her. Like she, I really do love her. And I think she's really special and kind and funny. And then I see my quote unquote grandfather. And I say quote unquote, because I'm not related to him. He's my grandmother's third husband. And when I was little, I, they got together before I was born. When I was little, he told me not to call him grandfather and repeatedly told a five-year-old that, no, I'm not your grandpa which is looks to camera fine. And so now I see him at age, you know, 33 and, um, he actually has the same arm injury weirdly as me from a fall he had. So we're sort of comparing injury notes and I tried to make him feel better because I've heard that he's really depressed about it. And I say, yeah, you know, it's really easy to get bitter. And, and we have what I think is a good conversation. I'm a little worried about the length of his toenails. Um, but Otherwise, like, I feel like everything's fine. And he's actually being sweet about my grandmother. Like he's being that awful kind of mean man that generationally happens where older men are like, he was like, I'm so ugly now that I'm old. And I was like, no, you're not. And he was like, when you're old, you become ugly. And I was like, not my grandmother. And he was like, you think? And I was like, okay, you're a dick. And I said, yeah, she's beautiful. And he said, she is the most beautiful woman woman in the world. And I'm, and I was like, okay, so you're not a complete monster. This is really... This is hard to follow the track of, is it oh, yeah. a hero or a villain? A hero, a <laughs> villain. And I don't think anti-hero anymore. So cut to my grandmother is like shocked that he's behaving so well and is like, oh my gosh, I think it really helps him talking to you. I'm started feeling like, you know what? He's doing a lot better than people have been, you know, people, meaning my grandmother have been saying, I, I'm really happy that he like saw me. I feel like an inspiration for being like, I know so I was going to say, you're like high on the codependent yeah, feeling like, of I like, I fixed think someone. I'm helping you and not all heroes. Um, cut to, we decided to meet him at his favorite Mexican restaurant later, um, for a 4 PM dinner looks to camera. Wait, sure. So sorry, question. So he was already at the restaurant and like you guys had a separate experience. So we tell him like, we're going to meet you for dinner. We're shocked. He'll come to dinner with us. Like when someone asked me if I was going to see him, when I was going to see my grandmother, I said, no, probably not because I was that, you, you know, they're, he's like a recluse. Like I was convinced he wouldn't see me. But they agree to do a 4 p.m. dinner with me, which I'm again, I'm shocked that he's joining. Um, My grandmother drops me off at the hotel so I can lie down for a second because I was a little bit tired from my um, travels. I went through the Atlanta airport, which if you've never been there, it's basically like going through a NASCAR race. It is absolutely insane. It was um, you, Devin, you were the only other person who would understand that I almost had like a mental breakdown there. Totally. Um, you know, those people who you see like videos of them just yelling out of nowhere, like what the fuck is going on? (laughs) That was almost me. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) 
So I'm exhausted anyway. And so my grandmother, when I wake up at three is like Captain Jim, Jim. Again, I called him Captain Jim instead of grandpa. So whatever. Wait, I sound. wait, wait. Sorry. Did I miss? Did you already say that? Or is this the first time I'm no, hearing that? No. So he, they lived on a boat when I was little. So we called him Captain Jim. So now she's still as an adult is like C- Captain Jim is in the other room. I'm, she might have just or said Jim, but we're gonna, I, were, we're gonna I go think meet of him Cap- as Captain Jim. We're going to go meet Captain Jim at his favorite Mexican restaurant. So we go. And if you're still listening, thank God. Thank God for you. Bless you for listening to my family saga. So we go to a 3 p.m. dinner, which by any standards is early. Even what happened by, at 4 p.m.? He, she was like, he's already at the restaurant. We go Captain there. Jim. He's at the bar. I say, Jim, we're going to sit at the table. He says, no, we're sitting at the bar. So I'm already like, you're kind of on my shit list and you've clearly been drinking. We sit down at the bar. He says, sit next to me. I say, no, I want to see my grandmother. So I'll sit on the corner so I can see her diagonally. That I can tell that pisses him off. He's being really rude to the waiter who's clearly English speaking man. And he's speaking to him in bad Spanish. So that is embarrassing. And he is being rude to my grandmother, which watching a man be rude to a woman older than you. So you feel like it's, you don't feel compelled to be like, shut the fuck up. And if there's anything that I've learned from the housewives, it's that I feel like I, I want to do that more often. I want to be like, stop, shut the fuck up, be polite. Same. Same. Um, but this is, you know, my 80 year old grandmother and a man who's been drinking for, I don't know how many hours. Um, because I saw him have a drink at 1130 a.m. So, I need to work on say we need to work on on the phrase. Please don't speak to me that way. Yes, 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 yes. I literally once agree. a day I could say that. And I'm always like, OK, sounds good. And then later I'm like, why didn't I say please don't speak to me that way? Especially I literally me. got an asshole email on Friday and that would have been the perfect time to respond. Please don't email me in that tone asshole emails hashtag asshole emails hashtag got an asshole email um <laughs> so i he tries to order for me which is almost cliche he's like she'll have the tamale we're gonna no, have three stop. trace tamales so the, the english like waiter who looks at him like fuck you or who he could be spanish but he's like speaking english to us right. so it's like you're being racist and um uh, i say tamales yeah i i That's say so and hold, he's holding up a three by the way with his hand and i'm no. like we don't need to do this um i say no i'm gonna have three tacos because it's one thing i'm okay with sticking up for it's what i'm gonna eat yeah totally. and he throws his menu down on the table so pissed off and i can see my grandmother clocking every moment and this is where i'll say that i can see the Al-Anon coming in like she's just like very much watching his drinking really monitoring everything and worried about his experience over anything. And I don't say that judgmentally. I say that that is the generation, you know, like she has been married to abusive men her whole life. She is making sure they're okay because that is a instinct to preserve your own safety. And I think, you know, as we inherit generational trauma, like, and I'm not going to get into the weeds about that, but I'm going to say, I think that we all have that instinct. I mean, Without being in a relationship with someone abusive, I still put, you know, still going out with you, Devin, who you matter to me, like you're everything to me. And going out with a boyfriend, I'm more concerned with a boyfriend's experience. And I think that like you can identify and probably would say the same thing. Um, Yeah, I guess I would say that. I definitely think like I struggle with something I'm struggling with recently is like being present 
since I'm single, like, and I, I hung out with a friend and we went out on Friday night and it's like hard for me to be present. Cause I'm like, who's single, who's hot. Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. why didn't I just spend the night talking to my friend who I haven't seen in a long time? Instead, I was like distracted. Um, but, um, yeah. back to my grandfather's toenails. Um, so he's just kind of like a mess at the bar, like is having trouble sitting, is coughing repeatedly. And my grandmother is checking on him and he's telling her to shut up. And to leave her alone, he's wagging his hand in her face, like to leave him alone. I'm very uncomfortable because again, I'm, I'm so close to being like, I wish you weren't here. I wish I was just here with my grandmother and he's getting wasted. So we finish a bad meal. Um, he can barely keep track of all his things, like his keys and stuff. And my grandmother to me is like, I don't want him to drink anymore. He goes back to the bar as we're leaving to drink more. And he keeps on telling her, take Rose back to the hotel. He looks at me. They call me Rose. It's my middle name. And he says, Rosie, if I wanted you to visit, I would say, come visit. If I wanted you to visit, I would say, come visit. And at this point, I'm like, how many, how many variations of rejection by men can I feel? This man yeah. has been rejecting me since age five. Like after being such a sweet grandfather, renting me Olsen twin movies to watch, making me homemade French fries, giving me candy. He told me repeatedly, I'm, it's like someone saying, I'm not your boyfriend. He's like, I'm not your grandpa. Okay. Don't get too attached, sweetie. And now he's telling me that he didn't want me to visit, even though I haven't seen my grandmother in 15 years, my poor grandmother. And I don't judge her for this. Couldn't say anything. She only said, I want to follow him home because he's been drinking. I want to follow him. And he's like, don't follow me home. I'm fine. And she says, you're drunk. And he says, no, I'm old. I'm not drunk. And he looks at her and says, what's wrong with you? Oh and he God. looks at me and says, she's so bizarre. And then gets into his car and we follow him home. She's we follow so bizarre. I know. First I hate all, him so first, much. First of all, I'm not drunk. I'm old. Second of all, <laughs> she's so bizarre. Too she's so bizarre because she's worried I'm going to kill someone on my way home. We follow him home. Um, we pull up to the house. It's like a scary drive. Like following someone drunk while they're driving home is scary because you're like, if they hurt someone, I don't even know how to defend my own actions of like not physically yeah, trying to totally. prevent you from getting into the car. So we get home. She follows him into the house. He leaves the car on next to his garage. It is just like those crazy nights you had in college where everything went wrong. Yeah. you like, it's all of that. And I just sit in the car and I cry out of like shock. Like it's more, it's not even crying. Like I'm sad. I cry out of like the feeling because I tell her because I can tell my presence is like triggering him for some reason. I tell her like, I'm going to stay in the car because I don't want him to get more upset. But then she's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to him. And at the same time, I'm like, this is my 80 year old grandmother who can barely walk because of pain in her leg. And I'm watching her go into a house with a man I believe to be abusive, at least emotionally. And it's a very vulnerable feeling of like, I don't know what to do to protect this person. That's really scary. And at the same time, like, I can't believe like a man can talk to me this way. And I guess I just bring this up because I thought it, it made me think a few things. One of which being alone <laughs> is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Being with someone who is awful to you and being in a situation where you feel you can't get out is the worst thing that I think can happen to you romantically. And I understand the feeling of not being able to get out. And I also just wanted to say that generationally, this makes sense. She was not allowed to open up a bank account on her own. She gave up her ability to go to college for her first husband to go to college. She was told by her first husband that she was stupid because she was just a farm girl. And now she's in a relationship at 80 with a man who, like, I believe loves her, but also who she does everything for and who is rude to her. 
And I'm just, I, I guess I just wanted to say that because I feel like we really have to be careful who we end up with because both you and I have been in situations where we've dated. I mean, me, when I was younger, um, I always feel like I need to say that in case people think it's my most recent ex-boyfriend with people who are very rude to us. And <laughs> I feel like that's, and I also think that like, I want to almost say this to you because I know you know how like upset I get when I feel like you're not dating someone who treats you like amazing. And like, I think this is something that I get really triggered by is the feeling of like concern over someone I love being with someone who's not treating them well. Yeah, I think that's really hard. I think like it's it's a hard position to be in. I don't want to sound like a martyr and maybe I do, but I just feel like I feel angry at the whole situation. I mean, the thing is that like, well, do you feel like a martyr? Like, what do you mean by that? I mean, I don't want to feel like poor me. Like I care so much about other people that it hurts. It's more of, I want to control situations. I hate that this is a situation I can't control. I hate that. Like I can't control my, how my grandmother experiences life. And I hate that we can't get people out of situations that aren't good for them. And I've been in this, I've been the person that people couldn't get her out of a relationship. So I understand that. And still it's something I get upset about, if that makes sense. Well, it's really hard to watch someone in that situation. Um, It also has nothing to do with you. Exactly. And also like, it's, like we don't know what's good for other people, even if it seems like someone is in a situation and I've been in an unhealthy relationship that yes, technically wasn't good for me, but I needed to stay in that as long as I did. Like it in, in the situations I've been in, I'm sure you and other people thought like, Oh, this isn't good for Devin. If only she would do what I think she should do right? because I know what's best for her. It's like, yes, I understand where you're coming from. But what I needed to do was actually stay as long as I did to learn what I needed to learn. Right. No, I, so, I, I do believe that. And I, I can, in retrospect, things make sense. And I can see you're right about that. I can see a relationship I was in my early 20s, which was definitely emotionally abusive on both sides. I think I can see in retrospect why I needed to experience that, what I needed to learn from that. I needed to go deeper into learning about my own defects and like how to become the person that I envisioned myself to be or wanted to be. And I don't think I would have gotten there without hitting like the very bottom with that relationship. So I agree. I agree. I think, I think it's just protectiveness. And I think it's just seeing like an older person in pain is a specific kind of horror. And I think also seeing someone you respect, like I, I clearly like I'm impressed with what she did with her life and to see someone not appreciate her makes me want to use physical violence. Totally. And it also gives me insight into how we view, like how we're not that far apart from generations of women who were told that a man's happiness was singular to their safety and their life success. Yeah. No, I think that still happens a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I have felt that in relationships. I have felt in relationships the most important thing is this person being happy. And that is the key to my life. And that sounds dramatic, but that's how I was acting. It's like, you want to go on a trip? I'll bankrupt myself to take you on a trip. Right. 
You totally. want me to like miss work? You want me to be you, like, I need, you are my first priority. I even said that to a boyfriend once. I was like, you mean everything to me. And I meant it. And I could totally see us growing old together and him being miserable. Like, you know, my non-grandfather is and I, me taking care of him in some capacity. And, and I, <laughs> one of my like lessons this weekend, I was like, wow, it really fucking matters who you marry because you are going to get old. It's like how we're scared to gain weight in relationships or like what our boyfriends think of us. And it's like, no, I need to be in a relationship where I know I can get like old and wrinkly and you will think I'm like the most beautiful woman in the world. And I do think that exists. I have seen old people hold hands and that is a magical image. Yeah. It's also interesting what you were saying. Like, I think it's so easy when I'm single for me to be like, oh my God, it's so unfair. Like I wanted to be married at this point. I wanted to be like on my way to having kids, living with someone like, And at the same time, like that jealousy is so interesting because it's all so hard, like being in really I remember being in different relationships I've been in and my single friends complaining. And I was like, really, you would rather be in my shoes? Like, it's so hard to try to connect with another person on a regular basis and to figure out life plans together. And then once you're married, that's hard. And once you have kids, it's like incomprehensibly hard. So it's like it's all just difficult to be a person. Yes, I completely agree. And I think it's extremely important who you put yourself around. And I would include friends in that, you know, like we really have to protect our energy. So like, yes, the person you marry should be extremely supportive, extremely loving, and they should know how to deal with their own shit. They should not put their shit on you because you're going to have enough to deal with. Although some people I think like having shit put on them. I, okay. So yes. And I agree with this too. And I think that that was the hard part with my grandmother was I was like, who cares? Like at one point he he was such a drunk girl. He like lost his phone. And she was like, do you know where his phone is? And I was like, no, but I was also like, who gives it? And she was better about that. She was like, I guess I'll have peace and quiet because he won't be calling and texting me all the time. Like I was like, you guys are in your twenties in an abusive relationship, (laughs) but he like got drunk and lost his phone and is asking you where it is. And they're Kyle and Amanda from summer house. Oh, he left his car on and it like went into the garage and like hit the garage and pulled a trailer. And then he falls on the staircase to the house and lays there because he can't get up <laughs> and a neighbor has to help him. I was like, this is an episode of Summer House. Like it's that <laughs> episode of Summer House. Really like funny. Amanda puts all of his stuff like outside. It was just like, I know I was like, God, this is like you guys are that couple from AKA me at 21 dating a couple who I, we would like regularly like both make out on the streets of New York and also scream at each other on the streets of New York. But again, I think it's generational. I think women are like, yeah, this is supposed to be mine. I am supposed to take care of this. Yeah. And I've gotten to the age where I'm like, you know what? Go to therapy, take care of your own shit. I'm not putting my unhappiness on you. I've been depressed and I'm not making that your responsibility. Don't make like you're having trouble getting old. Make your own coffee. You know, feed one of the nine cats yourself. Don't yell at me to do things all the time. Yeah. So I'm obviously a little amped, a little wired. Um, But I think more than anything, it's just heightened the importance of choosing who you spend your time with. And also, you're right. It's none of my business in a way. She has chosen to live her life this way. And like, who am I to come in after 15 years and say, like, get out? Mm, Totally. Like yeah. clearly something is working. I know that's the thing is like some people like it, it there's it's always a two-way street. It's like right. Someone's in it. Yes, there's like the element of like manipulation and abuse, but it's also like um sometimes sometimes I've been in 
those situations where it's like, for some reason, I'm kind of like enjoying this dynamic still. And I. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we are going to talk VPR, a little update on our VPR first reunion episode. And Devin has a story that will knock your towel off your body. This is story time episode. Story time episode. I wish there was like a little kid song we could um, ensure that with. This is story time episode. Clean your home. Clean your shoes. Pick up around your room. Story time episode. Be right back. I hated that. I want you. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. We're back with story time episode. Um, something that Devin has said um, most recently that she hates, and she did not like the little kid no, song. I, hate it. I wrote. I don't. I like story time episode. That was my fucking idea, but I don't like the song that you sang about cleaning your shoes. <laughs> clean your home. Clean your shoes. Um, 
I am so excited Devin is telling this story. It's a story that's famous, actually, um, for me personally. It's famous for me, too. It's like at a certain point, I kind of got sick of telling it. No, 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 no. But the the ex that this is about, who... This like, is a story about a girl named Lucky. I won't interrupt anymore. Okay, thanks. Um, It's about an ex-boyfriend who I fantasize about if I, like... I have seen him once since, but we purposely didn't interact. But if I like ran into him in the street, what I fantasize about saying is I speak ill of you every chance I get because I know all this person cares about is what other people think of them and their fucking online persona and like being approved and being like popular and famous and whatever. So I know that me being like, oh, I don't like you. And I make sure to try to convince everyone I know of the same opinion um i Easy know th- to do by the way i know that 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 like that would <laughs> takes about five minutes to their core also everyone who like knows him sees right through him now anyway so it's like i don't really have to he's doing enough work on his own to make people confused and hurt and upset and also like i want to say all my other relationships like i've been angry right after the breakup And then as time goes on, I like genuinely have real compassion for everyone I've ever dated and also think like I had a huge part in that. I was young or selfish or like just needed attention and didn't like should have left the relationship sooner and was like attention seeking in all these weird ways and all that. Like I always feel like I have a well-rounded perspective on people, although I do struggle with like the black and white thinking of like was I the victim in this or not and it's like I was wasn't I silence or, or was I silent was I silenced or or no, was, I- where, was I silent or was I silenced oh yeah yeah exactly so my story is that when I was in a certain relationship that already there were issues of me feeling like I would bring something up And it would be treated like the most insane proposition or like I would say, like, I feel like we haven't been having sex recently. Like, can we talk about that? And it was like, um, what? Like, (laughs) okay, psycho. There was so much of that, like, okay, or like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it just was like a pattern of like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm like not having that experience at all. And then me feeling like completely alone in the relationship because I was like, wait, am I am I crazy? Like. Actually, I was just at the Eras tour this weekend and um, Taylor Swift played the song Tolerate Tolerate It, which was my breakup song for this particular breakup, because there's that lyric that says, um, if it's all in my head, tell me now, tell me I've got it wrong somehow. That's how I felt like the whole time I was like, in a one way, I was like, I want to believe him that it's all in my head because then that means I can still be with him. And I was genuinely right. in love with him. I was completely open heartedly in love with him. That's the other thing, too, is like we also thought when we met this person, I just want to say this as an outsider. I thought, oh, you're going to marry this person. And how great for you, because this is such a caring, thoughtful person. And I just want to say that because you were love bombed. But um, continue. Yeah. And I think that's important, too, because, well, I'll, I'll talk more about that after. But anyway, so. I feel like, of course, I'm I'm a flawed person and I have like mental illness and my OCD and whatever. But it's like this relationship, too. I I also feel I 
don't really like regret any of my behavior. There's nothing that I'm like, wow, that was fucked up that I did that. Whereas again, all my other relationships, even my most recent one, there's tons of stuff that I'm like, okay, that was actually fucked up that I did that. Like that was like my fault. That fight was my fault. I don't know why I did this, that, whatever. This relationship that I'm telling the story about, like I genuinely am like, wait, that was like the best version of myself. And I always was like working on it and trying to like, I just, it, it's so shocking. So Anyway, you were trying to lift a couch that both people need. You need two people for on your own. You were basically also. I was like so unconditionally loving of him too. Like I yeah. remember one time, like someone made a comment about like the outfit he was wearing, and I was like, I love what he wears. Like I don't care. Like I whatever. If he wanted to fucking dress as a clown and walk down the street, I would be like, I love that. Cool. Live your life. Um, that's how like obsessed I was with this person. Anyway, so. At the t- So our relationship was already like turbulent, even though at the beginning it was like this amazing romance word, the most in love ever. And then it was like slowly I was like noticing cracks. I will say one of the first fights we ever got in. There was a shift in him, like a, a facial demeanor shift that it was like we were in the middle of an argument and he stood up in, in the middle of the argument and started doing the dishes. And I was like, wait, that's like really weird. And I was like, wait, are you like we're having a conversation and he was like, I don't want to talk about this. And it was like this, this moment where I was like, wait, is this person scary? And then I was like, no, put it out of your mind, put it out of your mind. Like it's nothing. But I I remember thinking like, wait, that was really weird. Like he stopped in the middle of a conversation, said nothing and, and started doing something else. And then yelled at me when I said like that, like, what are you doing? So anyway, I get, this job so I was like unemployed for a really long time I get this job that's like a dream opportunity a dream job so exciting like for anyone it, by the way a huge deal and like I I had been looking for a really long time so it was like super exciting I was supposed to go with my ex to his family's house that weekend but I because I got this job and it was on zoom and I was worried about like wi-fi set up and whatever I was like I I I'm gonna meet you there but I can't go like he he was just going to go ahead of me because I I couldn't leave like right away. So part of this job was like a physical project that I had to do, like compiling all this research and stuff. And so basically I was in my ex's apartment and I like had put all these I had to put all these really important papers out everywhere. So I was putting like towels down to protect them from touching the ground. And then I went to eat lunch. This, this story is sound starting out. Like you're like, what the fuck is this going to be about? Because it's that, that is it's the that story. It, it's so day. what the fuck. So I'm, I'm really stressed out. I stayed up really late working on this like research stuff. I'm like tired, whatever. And then I'm like, Oh, I, I have to eat lunch, but there's like all these important papers everywhere. So I have to get another towel to eat my lunch on. This is a New York City apartment, small, not a lot of space, whatever. So I go get a towel from the closet. And honestly, when I grabbed the towel, I thought, is this towel like have significance? Like I was like, I feel like I remember hearing a story about this towel. Oh, well, by the way, it's like a towel that says like spring break on it or something. It's like a beach towel. It's a towel. So I go sit down and I'm eating tacos on this towel. I spill um, guacamole onto the towel while I'm eating it. And then I was like, wait, I feel like this towel had some sort of weird importance. And now that I've spilled on it, I I just was like, wait, I wonder if I should like ask about this. Like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I just suddenly was like, oh, I need to, I need to like 
tell him that I spilled on this towel because I'm sort of remembering that it's like important. Call it female instinct in the words of Ariana Maddox. Continue. So I texted the ex and said, hey, sorry, I used the pink beach towel to lay stuff down on. And then I remembered maybe it had some special meaning. I'm really sorry for using it without asking. Can I wash it or do not wash? By the way, like the fact that I even said I'm really sorry for using it without asking when I was like you were living with this person. I was living with this person. I I felt like the need to be like, is it okay? I'm really sorry. Like the whole thing is weird. But it was like I knew he was he was so weird about like specific things having specific meanings. Like when I moved in, like I tried to like hang something up. So I I moved something that was hanging in the bathroom to like the living room so I could hang something else up. And he like got really upset because the the thing that was hanging in the bathroom had like special significance and like I shouldn't have moved it. So it just like was like I was using this towel. I had this weird feeling. I'm like, I think this has special significance. And then I felt the need to be like, I'm really sorry. I use this. Like, what do I do? He says it was my aunt's. (laughs) And I remember I'm like, oh, yeah, like that his aunt had passed away. So I go, oh, I'm so sorry. Can you just put it back? He says, I go, yes, I'm sorry. And then he doesn't respond for hours. So I say, I'm really sorry. I didn't sleep because this because of this project I'm working on and I'm not thinking clearly again, like sign of like someone who's in such a toxic thing that I'm like, abusive I'm really sorry. I didn't sleep because Please I love like- me still like you did when we first fell in love. So he goes, don't worry about it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, just say this. is The thing It's like, just say, oh, my God, of course, like it was an accident. No big deal. By the way, I. I, here's the real truth. I didn't just put it back because that would be insane. I washed it because I spilled fucking guacamole on it. So like, <laughs> just put it back. Like, I what? Anyway, but then basically I don't have all the screenshots, so it's hard for me to remember exactly what happened. But in my memory, it was, I said this thing of like, I'm really sorry. He's like, don't worry about it. And then I think I said, are you mad? And he didn't respond yes, for like hours. So then I started having a panic attack and I'm like on Zoom doing this job, panicking. By the way, he knows this was my first week of this job. He knows that I'm like tend to be someone who like obsesses over stuff like this and he's purposely ignoring me. So I start having like a panic attack. Then I had forgotten that he was visiting his parents and I felt guilty that like I was supposed to go and I didn't. So I had ordered these pizzas for them like as a surprise. So then his mom texts me and she's like, oh, thanks so much for the pizza. Like, here's a picture of us oh all eating God. it. And I'm like, about this. OK, wait, your son is like ignoring me because of something I did. That was the most human thing you can possibly imagine. And he's treating me like I'm a monster for no reason. So then I remember being on the Zoom and having to turn my camera off and just like crying in fetal position briefly because I was so shocked. And I I talked to someone about this because this happened again in this relationship where it was like something happened that was like basically nothing. This was the pattern. It's like something would happen that was basically nothing. And then he would react like I had like physically attacked his closest family member. And <laughs> I would like question you had myself. like clotheslined his grandmother. Yeah. And then I would like question myself and like freak out and like be like so in shock and crying and stuff and it's because of 
when someone like surprise attacks you like that, it's basically getting like punched in the face. It's like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Like nothing was happening. And now you're treating me like I deserve punishment and I don't understand. So anyway, so I also just want to interject and say it was also punishment by silent treatment, which I have learned since watching you go through this is a form of emotional abuse. Yes. You cannot disappear off the face of the earth. I say that as someone who did that early on in my relationships, because I thought that was the best way to get to someone. And it is, it's the, one of the meanest things you can do because you're leaving that person with their thoughts. You're letting them spiral. You're letting them worry. And that is not an okay place to, that's not a trusting place to leave a partner. I also remember when this happened because I remember being on set that day and receiving these texts from you. And my first thought was no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. And what I told you was I said, anyone who knows you, Devin, knows that you would hate to hurt anyone. You are not a reckless person with people's feelings. If anything, you and I will text each other spiraling about being worried that we had offended someone. Like the fact that someone who clearly knew you, had spent time with you, lived with you, was going to let you feel like you had significantly hurt them in a way was to me really dark because it was acknowledging that this person was okay with you feeling pain and it was not of consequence to them significantly what happened. And anyway, I'll let you continue, but I just want to say that like my reaction was very sudden. I was actually, it was one of those experiences where I had to talk to other people about it around me because I found it so disturbing. And and like, as you were gaslit, I felt like I, congratulations, this episode I'm making all about me, but I felt like, is anyone else seeing this? Like, no, this is crazy. This is like no, one of my I know. closest friends. Like this, I, like, I need to, I need you guys to hear the story about a towel. And everyone, when the word towel came up was like, but it was a towel. It was a towel. Like you would think that you had been like, by the way, I used a craft project. So I used your mother's engagement ring, um, and put it in a crown for myself. Is that okay? Like, by the way, it was in the towel closet with all the other towels it was not in a special place. we don't need to add all these addendums because it's so insane but i there's there's no it was not in a box full of precious artifacts you're right and by the way like i have precious artifacts i have things that like my grandmother gave me that are significant i can't imagine genuinely being angry at someone if they like accidentally broke it or something happened like i honestly genuinely cannot imagine that at all Well, Um, I also can't imagine knowing it was someone's first week of work. I've had exes who have done worse. I've had an ex who, while my father was struggling with his health, um, my father gave him a bike in agreement that the guy would post about it. The guy did not post about it. And my father, who again was dealing with a health crisis, had to kind of like urge him and follow up. And I was like, can you not? Can you actually just show up for my dad? And even then, I did not want this person to feel pain and just privately bitched about it to my dad. What the fuck? Yeah. So basically after the mom sent the pizza picture, then he he said, thanks for sending the pizzas, period. That was nice, period. Dark. And then I think there was some sort of like back and forth where I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, are you not speaking to me basically? And he was like, I'm just like having a hard day. And I was like, okay, what? So I go to, well, I called a friend. I called you. I called other people. I was like crying. And actually, like, my mom called me during this and I ended up, like, having to tell her what was happening because I was just like, I'm so in shock and I don't understand what's happening. Um, Anyway, so this was on April 23rd. So the next day, um, I was going to, like, a baby shower. So, oh, I was with a friend 
all day and talked about it and like was trying to process. Didn't hear from him all day. Did not hear from him all day. And then I was supposed to go to his his family's house. So this was at at this point, it was like something like 24 hours. We like didn't speak. And then I was supposed to go to his family's house like that week or the that weekend. And so I texted him after not hearing from him for a full day. Hey, hope you're having a good day. So I'm planning to come out there next Saturday for the night. But now it feels like maybe I shouldn't come at all. Let me know if I should still plan on that. I don't have Tuesday off. I have Monday so that well, whatever. He goes, yes, you should still come. You you don't want to question mark monster. I said, it seems you're, like you're not really speaking to me. So I would feel <laughs> weird to come under those circumstances. I think I'm thinking of going back to my parents' house for a while. He said, sorry, I just wasn't very talkative yesterday or today. I was with my grandparents most of the day, including when you texted me. So it was just a confusing feeling. Um, the uh, iPhone has been around for about um, uh, 10 years plus. So I don't um, need to hear bullshit like that anymore. I go. So I my response to that was OK. He said, did you go to the shower or is it later? This was like nighttime. I go. I already went in Uber home period. What was it like? I said it was fine. The last two days have been really hard. So it was good to spend time with friends. This is like proof of like the two way street thing, by the way. It's like, why am I engaging in this weird text dialogue? He goes, that sounds great. That sounds great. I just said that I had a really hard two days, so I'm glad to be with friends. You're talking to me out of nowhere all of a sudden, by the way. And I'm supposed to act like grateful or like, hey, and just jump back into it because like my experience of that didn't matter. So he goes, that sounds great. I go, sure, period. He said, what do you mean by the past two days have been hard? What's what going on? What do you on? mean by the past few days have been hard? Is it because it was fine. I was finding it confusing to spend time with my grandparents and also look at my phone. I said, I don't want to text about this. Okay. So then two days, no, three days later, I don't know what happens in these three days. There was at one point, some sort of back and forth between us, but I think we're basically like not speaking at this point, even though we're fully in a relationship and technically live together. He texts me, is everything okay? I said, Why? He said this person no longer wants to be in a fight, by the way, like obviously is kind of over it. Is everything okay? I said, why? Just checking. Why? I say just for no reason. I go. Yeah, it was kind of a weird day. Is everything okay with you? Yeah. Why was it weird? This this is so maddening. So then anyway, so basically we ended up talking on the phone about it during the phone conversation conversation. He basically told me that I could never understand what he went through because he lost a family member and I haven't been through that. I that I have a pattern of making things about myself that aren't about me at all that he was completely blindsided like <laughs> like made this was a pattern too. It's like he would act like I had done something that like completely shattered his world. Like he basically he described it as like I sent him this text about having spilled on the towel and that was like world shattering for him because of what he's been through with this loss. And so then he was so confused. And then I selfishly kept saying, like, are you mad at me? What's going on? Like basically being like, I can't believe you would repeatedly ask me if I was mad at you when I was going through so much because of what you did. And we ended up breaking up because the same thing happened. But but by the time it happened again, it was like I was so, so done with this person. I was so done with the treatment. I was so done with the like, um, what? Like, are you OK? Like after. Later on, 
We had been in a relationship for over two years. He texted me that he was annoyed about a wedding he had to go to. I said, wait, you're going to a wedding? Do you have a plus one? And he said, oh, yeah, but I didn't think you would want to go. After your mom, Carolina Barlow's mom, Denise Malone, picked me up on the side of the road because my car broke broke down. I was freaking out. I texted him saying I'm having a panic attack. And he said, I'm at lunch, but I can talk in two hours. And I called your mom. She picked me up. I was like sobbing, crying. And then again, he was like, okay, sorry, what? Like I was with friends. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, I was at a lunch. Ever been to one? They're pretty important. Yeah. Life-changing events. Okay. Um, And then basically we broke up because we we went to a wedding together, which like the details of which there's so many uh, things that went wrong and were insane. And I like, showed up for everything was like a perfectly good partner, whatever, doing everything. I drove him and his and the other groomsmen to the wedding venue early in the day. I'm in a different city, a different state than I've ever been in. I'm like, don't know the area at all. I drive back to my hotel. I'm getting ready. There's like, I I had a bunch of work to do, by the way, in between this. Yeah, it was just there was like a lot going on. I missed the shuttle bus. And there's like road closures on the way to the wedding. So basically I realized I'm like, fuck, I think I'm going to be like late to the ceremony because there's road closures. I'm lost. It's confusing, whatever. And I, in response, was told that I had ruined his night and this and this memory (laughs) for him. One of the most important nights of his life, which was someone else's wedding. He could not speak to me on the. So as a result, he couldn't speak to me on the drive home. He left me in the hotel and went to the after party without me in in the midst of not speaking to me. Um, And then he which literally I was I remember like laughing and being like, yeah, he's going to go. He's going to go to the after party without me. Yep. That makes sense. He's leaving me in the hotel alone and not speaking to me. Got it. That makes sense. So then he the next day in the car said he couldn't speak to me the whole ride home because of how I had ruined his night and how upset he was over it. Um, and I said, like, I felt really uncomfortable not knowing why he was upset to which he said, you don't understand why I'm upset. And I was like, Oh, well, is it because I was like 15 minutes late to the ceremony? Um, by the way, I got there before the vows. This is I, like the towel thing, though, where we feel obliged. I to say give we. Details. Do I, I know. need to separate from my loved ones? Um, we feel obliged to give details to understand why this isn't crazy when anyone with a working heart and mind will listen to this and say, that's not okay. That's not okay behavior. That's not okay behavior. That's not okay behavior. I want to just, again, interject to say my family was flabbergasted by this. Even my father who, as I told Devin, most men, like when you explain an emotional situation to them, will be like, what? Wait, no, so I know. Who's, wait, so who's Hannah? Wait, who's Rachel? They won't un- even know who you're talking about. And like, well, you, you need to like give you more details because for men, like emotional terrorism is like harder to understand than Sudoku. And my father listening to the story went, that's insane. That's crazy. And Beth Jacobs family felt the same way. Like families were understanding this. Families and businesses were affected by this. So then I asked, I was like, I'm like confused. And he said, I'll send you an email. So I have to read oh, this cool. too. Thank you. I'm sorry. I do have to read this too. No, because- it is a iconic email. And I told Devin, even as she was like heartbroken or not heartbroken, kind of just wrecked from receiving this email and just the whiplash of an emotionally abusive relationship. I said, Devin, 
this email is objectively funny. Like, this is so crazy. And she said, you said, yeah, like your friends of the pod had agreed. I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Okay, so the, the email is no subject. Already. No intro. I felt the wind get sucked out of me on Saturday when you said you weren't going to make it and when you showed up late. It was a painful and humiliating experience on what should have been a carefree and celebratory day. Minutes before walking out to watch my best friend get married, I see that you didn't put enough attention or effort into making it on time. By the way, after I drove all the groomsmen to the venue, I went to the a fucking every took single event of this wedding. Took every, pictures and um, the bride and groom because you thought that was a nice way of being of service. Had the bride's mother say that she was so glad you were there because you were so much fun. Continue. Yes. Okay. You didn't put enough attention or effort to make it on time. I've put so much thought and energy and time and reflection over the past four months, LOL. What about two and a half years that we were together over the past four months on trying to make every experience with you 
whether it's just a regular dinner or something more special, worth every minute of it and reflective of how I value spending time with you. And then on one of the biggest days I'll ever be a part of, you're just not there. I don't understand what happened, but it's clear to me you don't care enough to get there on time. I tried my best to put this feeling of abandonment aside this feeling of abandonment guys, from someone who has multiple times at this point left me disappeared. with no response for over 24 hours and refused to speak to me this feeling of abandonment aside and enjoy the day as best i could but it'll it will forever be stained by this and knowing that there wasn't even a reason for it i'm incredibly hurt i have forever a ver- being stained by this was when i laughed out loud because i was like this person has full flight full flight from reality time to fly away from reality by the way Knowing that there wasn't even a reason for it is because when I got to the wedding, he said, what happened? And I thought like the right thing to do was to say, like, I was like, it was just a bunch of things. But like, let's not get into it. There's no excuse. I'm just really sorry. I was late. I apologize in in person, of course, and via text, like whatever. But I also was like, well, I got here for the vows and everything. And people didn't even really notice I wasn't there. And then I stayed the whole night and went, would have gone to the after party if I wasn't left alone in a hotel I was room. invited by my boyfriend. Went to the went to the wedding brunch the next day. Like, I'm like, OK, like it's actually I did apologize. And that should be that. Um, by the way, you didn't want me at this wedding in the first place. Right. Well, that, that was a different wedding. But yeah, but he didn't want me around in the first place. Like he. He treated this person treated me like they didn't want me around all the time. After thought at best. After thought at best. And Until you made the decision to put yourself first and then you were abandoning yes. them. So um, knowing there wasn't even Why a reason for it, I'm so incredibly much fun. Hurt. And then he said, I have a very busy day tomorrow, but probably have time in the evening to talk. We're in Monster. a full blown relationship. So I get home. I'm freaking out. I remember zach booth friend of the pod and i lived with tess Hitzman at the time they're home i'm telling them this whole thing i'm like sobbing i'm like what the fuck is happening and it just it just ensued into this whole thing where it was like he wouldn't speak to me then when he did he was like basically like okay but like you have to admit like that was one of like the most selfish things that i've like ever seen someone do and he was like he kept saying he's like you really don't think like you did anything wrong and he at one point said, like, I'm going to need you to admit that, like, you did something wrong by being late. Abusive. And I was like, Abusive. I was like, I did. I do admit that. But I also like this is basically making it like he's like, I can't believe you're not admitting that you did something wrong. And I'm like, no, no, no. But you've done 10 million times worse now. Like, yes, I made a small mistake. And now you've done the worst possible thing you can do. It actually reminds me of Sandoval being like, well, we like weren't having sex. And she's like, right. And then you fucked my best friend. So now you're the one. Now you're the one who did something fucked up. Like, that's how I felt. I was like, okay, yes, I was late. And now you've completely sucker punched me and blindsided me and treated me like absolute garbage. So now you're in trouble. Do you understand that? Which he didn't. But it it really was effective in that I it, I immediately was like, I can no longer be with this person. The reality set in. I like, when I broke up with him, I it was to this day, like one of my proudest moments as far as like boundaries, because we were, by the way, LOL at this, the day that I broke up with him, we were supposed to meet up. We had plans to meet up. We hadn't seen each other in a week because he refused to speak to me. And then I like had to go on a like bachelorette party trip, whatever. So we're supposed to hang out for the first time in a week. He texts me that his friend happened to be in town. And actually, can we reschedule because he wants to get a drink with his friend? Which, Even though he's made painstaking 
um, me being fi- to me- show up for you, right. as you said. Me being 15 minutes late isn't okay. Him canceling the first time we're supposed to see each other in a week so he can get a drink with his friend who he sees all the time. And I said, like, no, I really need to talk. And he started being like, why? Like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm at work, but I would really like to talk to you in person after work. And then he called me repeatedly when I was at work in my office. So I had to step outside. It was a 15 minute conversation. I'm sorry, but you need to talk. He needs to talk to you. And there's no choice but to talk to him, even though then he leaves me for 24 hours at a time, completely unresponsive. So I stepped out of my office, 15 minute conversation. I was like, I'm done with this relationship. I'm not interested in in discussing further why he was like, but what happened? But I don't understand. Like, how did you decide this? And I said, he said, are you something like, oh, are you just like making this like rash decision? And I was like, no, I've put endless amounts of effort into this relationship and into this decision. I will not be changing my mind and I'm not interested in discussing further. And he's like, but please, please, can we just meet up in person? I was going to tell you that I realized I was wrong about the whole wedding thing. And I really just please meet up, please, whatever. And I said, I won't be, there's no point in meeting up because I, way, I won't be changing my mind. He wasn't even going to meet up. This is part I think about all the time, how he was like, I was going to say you were right. And it's like, no, you weren't even going to meet up with me. You canceled last minute, whatever. So then we broke up. Then I think he maybe said like, sent like one thing being like, can we please talk? I said, no, I'm not interested in speaking with you. Then I get another email like a week later, or maybe this was, I don't know when this was, but afterwards I get an email. Uh, subject line, understanding. Devin, I want you to know that I understand where you're coming from. For most of the past week and weekend, I reflected on why I'm committed to loving you, strengthening our relationship and rebuilding the trust that it needs. And the biggest part of that drives all of those things is understanding. The very thought itself of working with you to arrive at a goal that we can communicate with each other is enough to inspire my confidence in our relationship. We no longer have a relationship. (laughs) And it's one of the things I promised you when we got back together that I would work every day to walk in step with you and bring us closer to our goals, whatever they may be. I respect the process by which you made your decision as someone who loves you, cares wholly about you, as you've clearly proven over and over again, and wants to touch every part of our lives together. I am asking that you would be open to having a conversation. It would mean a lot to me. I said no. And then a week later, I got another email saying basically like, hey, you completely blindsided me and I'm really confused. I can't believe you left me with no explanation of, I'm like, couldn't be, couldn't have been a more clear explanation. Literally, it was something happened and I'd had enough and I left. Like, he's like, so I'm confused. Like, you completely left me out of nowhere. Gaslighting is used so often, but it's an, it's his last, like, hurrah at gaslighting you by being like, what, you know, it's his last hurrah of like, what? Like, why yeah. are you being this way? And I'm when it's sure- like, by the way, I'm sure that's the narrative now for him from him 100%. to other people is like, 100%. yeah, she left me completely alone with no explanation. And at now all. I have trust issues because of that. In fact, I'm guessing that the next person or the current person, I don't know if he's dating someone when he mistreats her, you are the excuse. I totally agree with you. And I think the one thing I wanted to say about this whole relationship saga that happened is that I think like what came out of it is, first of all, I started going to a therapist for the first time who I like went into, like, I basically was like, clearly I have a pattern. The fact that I ended up in a relationship like that is because of something that's missing in me, even though of course it could happen to anyone. I want to understand why I was in a relationship like that, why I continually tried to earn someone's love who clearly wasn't willing to give it to me freely 
And I want to understand that this therapist has completely changed my life. It's been one of the hardest like years of my life recovering from that relationship. But it's also or two years, I guess. But it's also like really going to make me the person that I want to become, which is someone who like loves and cares for myself. That being said, the other most important thing for me is to learn how to have self-compassion from this because I did repeatedly think like over and over again, like, like, how did I end up there? How did I stay? Why did I say like, that's insane. I'm, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed to be the type of girl who was in a relationship like that. A lot of times when I tell stories about the relationship, I get questions like, wait, why did you stay? A lot of times in the times I've dated since then, I've gotten like responses, which sometimes are like, in fair game or whatever, but like family and friends being like, oh, Devin makes bad choices with men. Like, oh, Devin can't be trusted with like her pickers off and stuff. And it's sometimes it's like, yes, like that. I, I make self-deprecating jokes like that. But at the end of the day, this person was an extremely charming narcissist and anyone could have been this like, is true. anybody could have been charmed by them. Anybody could have been love bombed by them. Where I want to work on is the fact that I stayed and continued to try to work through something that was clearly so detrimental to me. But I don't question myself for getting into that relationship because I think it could happen to anyone. I think it's like same with Ariana and Tom. It's like in the beginning of the relationship, people are like, whoa, but like she he cheated on Christian with her and then she thought he wasn't going to do it again. Yeah, because he loved Bonter. Like he doesn't seem charming to me, but. He's a narcissistic, charismatic person. And that's what happens. Like anybody can get sucked in by a narcissist. Anybody can get love bombed. Anybody can get involved in a situation that that turns out to be harmful. And I at that time was not able to be in my own experience enough to like take care of myself and make the decision to leave. And that's because of family stuff and family history and and a lot of attachment stuff that I'm working through. But I don't judge myself for being wrapped up in a situation like that and I don't judge Ariana at all and I (laughs) I do judge Kristen a little bit but wait why only because she I'm a dowdy apologist now I used to hate her I used to hate her I'm now apologizing listen it's it's interesting and it's hard because I've gotten into this debate recently where it's like okay yes they do all cheat on each other yes Kristen slept with Jack Stassi's ex-boyfriend in the same room where Tom was sleeping in the other room To be fair, they just watched Drive. It's a pretty hot movie. They had no other choice. (laughs) But I think the thing is that I think the reason why this is so much worse is because, first of all, Ariana is like one of the least harmful people on the show. She seems like a genuinely good person who like really cared about Tom and really cares for her friends like Raquel and stands up for her. And this was a nine year long relationship. And he cheated on her for over seven months with one of her closest friends. It's like every element makes it worse. And I think Tom fooled us. I think Jax is like so Tom evil. Foolery, more There's like Tom it. Foolery going on because it's like Tom can really present as like like he knows how to he's much more subtle of a narcissist than Jax. Yes, this is true. I wanted to say something which I think applies to your situation. And I really like what you had to say about self-compassion and I still judge myself for relationships literally that I was in 12 years ago. So I think that it is maybe time to let go of that. But I, um, even though I think my relationship when I was 21 was, um, harder to get fooled by, let's just say there wasn't really, it wasn't, um, a love being love bombed. It was maybe the reverse of someone repeatedly telling me they didn't know how they felt about me. Um, but 
something Ariana said when she's been asked if she had any suspicions is that she said, I was trusting. I was trusting on my friends. I was trusting on my partner. And I don't think that there should be judgment for being trusting. I think that that is an instinct. And it's sort of like if your house was broken into, I am not going to judge myself for trusting that people would not do that to me. I'm not going to judge myself for thinking that my purse won't get ripped out of my, off my shoulder. Um, (laughs) I really think that like, we can trust that other people are going to be good when we get to know someone unless they show us otherwise, which, you know, besides the fact that Raquel was an idiot, like it was very clear that Ariana didn't think that this was something she would do. I don't think she should be faulted for that. And I think it's interesting. Like, of course, the famous line that Sandoval says in the finale where he's like, if she had just followed me, all she had to do is follow me to know I wasn't going to Schwartz's house. I mean, so evil. It's actually fascinating, but yeah, we don't, we can have self-compassion when to use your situation, you were choosing to work hard at a relationship. You were choosing to give relationship another chance and you shouldn't be judged for that. And you shouldn't judge yourself for that because you had fallen in love and you wanted to fight for it. And I do think a lot of relationships are worth fighting for. And then when you realize that the other person isn't holding their side and that you're carrying too much weight, that you are doing all of the, you know, work on yourself, which we all need, in, you know, different uh, degrees and varying degrees rather, um, you know, that's when we realize that like maybe the fight's not worth it because we're killing ourselves over it. Yeah. But I don't think there should be judgment. And I think that it was easy for me watching your relationship to be like resentful at you for staying just like I'm resentful at my grandmother for not leaving my captain gym <laughs> because <laughs> I cared about you. And because I thought like, it's so clear that she deserves better. But in the meantime, if I had put myself in your shoes more, I would have seen like, no, you had for the first time been treated like the first priority in a relationship. And it was really hard to pull away from that because, and I know for myself in a lot of relationships, sometimes it's like a ship has left its Harbor metaphorically. And you're like, I just want to get back to the safe Harbor. I just want to get back to the Harbor. I know it's there. I know it's there. I know this person is capable of love. I know We are capable of having so much fun together. How do we get back there? And it's a very hard truth to digest that like, maybe we won't. Right. And and maybe I can't pull us back there on my own. Maybe all of the like, you know, my hard work will be for naught. And that's really hard. But I'm really glad you shared the story because I do think it's really helpful. And it, it was really profound to watch you just be in the words that you said to me when you broke up with him. Bye, bitch. (laughs) I was like, I will never forget this because I was really scared that you were going to marry this person and I was going to have to spend time with them. Um, Selfishly, I uh, was getting very angered with them privately and I was worried for you because I know what you deserve, just like you know what I deserve. Well, I appreciate that. I just want to do a quick update on VPR reunion to end this on a lighter note. Okay, you go. I'm going to take I'm going to take a seat and listen. Okay, take a seat, little girl. Little girl, I watched the first chapter of the VPR reunion. I really enjoyed James Kennedy and Lala. I thought they really performed. I liked that Katie Maloney didn't immediately accept Sheena's apology because as Sheena has proved time and time again, she's a guy's girl. And her basically apologizing for taking Schwartz's side, um... I could only take so much of it in. 
listen, Sheena has done good. She ended our finale with a bang. She said all of the right things. She knows she was in the wrong, but I still am mad at her for how she handled the Schwartz and Katie situation. Ariana looks like fire. Tom Sandoval looks like a Vegas magician, as he always does. Raquel Levis was 100 yards away in a trailer watching the whole thing. This is when I was like, Bravo's genius. We are watching her are. watch the whole thing. It's brilliant. But she also is so empty headed that her reactions are basically like her reactions are nothing. me watching the show. Like there's yeah, no like, emotional involvement with herself. Like it's, it's literally it's me less, eating hummus and pita in bed watching the show. It's less me watching the show because I get angry watching That's the show. I'm true. like, wait, what? And she's just like, doo, she's doo, like doo, uh, shaking her head. Yeah. You're like, uh, she could have been watching 101 Dalmatians as a little kid. Like that is sort of the facial expression. Um, like when a little kid is sucked into their iPad. I did appreciate Lala Kent saying, this is a dangerous person. And Lisa Vanderpump saying, Lala, you can't say that. You can't say that. Obviously, Lisa just cares about her businesses. And Lala says, yes, I can. Because someone who is sleeping next to you is capable of doing that. That is a dangerous person, which yeah. I thought was very accurate and profound. And then I liked when <laughs> I've watched the clip so many times when James to Tom goes ugly fuck. And Andy is like me. And he's like, no, you're handsome. He's an ugly fuck. And um, Lisa Vanderpump is like, you're going to have to go into the dressing room. And James goes, I'm going to go get a timeout. I'm going to get a spanking. After this, I'm going to get a spanking. And Lala Kent goes, he likes it. <laughs> Which did make me want to. I'm so curious about Lala Kent and James' sex capades. Like, I'm so curious how, how what that sex life was like. Like, is James good in bed? I he think they're like secretly in love with each other. But I also think that Lala presents as someone who like has never actually enjoyed sex because she objectifies herself too yeah. much. That is actually a very good point. She she seems like someone very Julia Fox-ish. You know how Julia Fox in that interview said that she didn't like having sex? Like Lala seems like she's lived a life. Clearly has. Um, her fake tits look really great. And sometimes I want to get fake boobs like hers. But I, I'm very excited by the reunion. I'm excited for what's to come. You know, very much in the vein of what you went through, Ariana at one point says that Tom Sandoval, when cameras weren't around, would yell at her for 45 minutes straight. Um, and again, this is someone who, like Devin and I in a lot of relationships, said, I would have followed you anywhere. I was protecting you. I was protect She was protecting his image. And yet he wasn't even caring about the relationship. He was throwing her under the bus without her knowing it. So totally. I'm very excited to see what cuts, what's to come. Um, James uh, is clearly doing cocaine during this reunion, which someone had to point out to me that maybe someone screamed Adderall. During, I don't know who it was. Lala or someone was like Adderall. I also think it's funny that they won't even let him speak. I mean, it makes me so happy whenever Tom speaks. Whenever like, Tom up. speaks, no, yeah. no one wants to hear from you. It's so funny to me. It's like it's amazing. A lot of people are questioning whether or not this is true, like whether or not um, this is just like a ploy for reality TV. And I'm like, if this was a ploy for reality TV, they would at least let him speak. They would yeah. let the man talk. They're like, they shut up. The hate talk. you. No one cares what you think. No, but it's I also definitely like real. James, like where like the fucking evolution on of these characters on the show are so amazing. James, who once called Katie Maloney fat in like his turn of evil alcoholic. He's now being like a nice cokehead, <laughs> maybe doing Adderall. Now, when Schwartz says you're a troll about Katie writing comments about Joe, James goes, that's rude. You're being rude. And I go, James is sexually attractive to me. I, I actually can't like he is like one of my celebrity crushes. And I mean, that's the bottom of my vagina. He is. Well, I'm excited to see how the reunion proceeds. I'm excited for a new ultimatum season on Netflix. 
I have to get a Netflix account now that I'm not allowed to use my mom's anymore because corporations are evil. But I think we have a lot to... Uh, we have a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack next time. I love you, Devin. Love you, Carol. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.